Welcome to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. Each week, join Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the tools, advice, and strategy you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's show. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Print on Demand cast. This is Josiah, as always, joined by Travis. Welcome back to another exciting week with your podcast professionals right here on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or Anchor or wherever you're listening. We're just glad to be in your ears. (laughs) Phrasing. Travis, how's it going? (laughs) Going good, man. Uh, You're, you're on a roll here. That was, that was quite the, uh, quite the intro there, man. But um, yeah, doing good. Just a long day, but finally kind of sitting down to uh, record this podcast. Yeah. Actually, I'm not finally sitting down. I, I pretty much sat down most of the day because we're working on a bunch <laughs> of stuff here. And so I'm just continuing to sit down. My Apple Watch keeps telling me to stand up, you lazy ass. But, you know, that's kind of <laughs> part of the course, I guess, when you're working on stuff in your chair. Oh, so, my gosh. Uh, but not you, man. Funny. You just got back from... You got back from printing a whole bunch of shirts, right? Yes, it has been a long day, which is why I'm going to crack one of these and uh, enjoy this podcast session because after this, I have to go back and (laughs) continue the madness. Uh, Saturday, I worked 17 hours of production uh, just by myself. Oh, my gosh. um, From like 7 to midnight, 7 in the morning to midnight, which is – it was just nuts and and got us hopefully to a place where we Mm. can – keep it the uh the pace with with the volume coming in so i mean things are crazy uh we have a, a new space secured that's actually just down the road from us a uh, great deal for you know 1800 mm-hmm. square not foot that, space not just and, down the road from us mind you it's down the road from you not down the road from me not yes not from mm-hmm. travis we didn't end up mm-hmm. being uh neighbors we we can't you know do the come and knock on our door come and knock on our door uh, but you know it'll be it'll be fine. No, we have a good space down the road uh, from us here at Well Four Apparel that we're going to be moving into uh, in the next week or so. So lots of exciting stuff, man. We have got a thirty seventy that's going to be on the way nice. here shortly, which is going to be super exciting. Um, and so totally. that's also where I'll be doing all of my recording from. I'm going to kind of set up a little studio and and uh, it's my location. The, the the look here will also change. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we're we're crazy busy, man. Uh, which is a good thing. Uh, like I said previously, answered a prayer, and now it's just uh, you know building the ark before the rain comes. If you know what I'm saying, because there's a <laughs> lot to be done. Uh, so yeah, man, things are going good. How about you? How's things there? And uh, make your mark design. I enjoyed last week's episode. By the way, I listened to it with you and Tate. Yeah. Um, lots of good nuggets there. The 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 cards you guys use for inventory, I need to ask you guys about because that was mm. intriguing to me. But tell me, uh, did you get mm. any feedback on the episode last week? How'd you feel that it went and how's things going there at Make Your Mark Design? Yeah, I hadn't really gotten any feedback from anybody about the episode. Um, I also listened to it and, and just, you know, continue to appreciate um, Tate's kind of, he's just really, really even keeled. And even this mm-hmm. week, um, you know, we've been really focusing on um, start. We're, we're going to be doing some like farm and art markets and things like that outdoor and like kind of local. And so we've been really focusing mm-hmm. on that and trying to come up with a line of, um, you know, Colorado based, you know, small town based products. And so he's really kind of yep. taken the lead on the design, which has really been interesting. He's done some cool oh, wow. stuff like he. 
here's like, I could show you this, like that, that's a patch he did. He like designed that and you know, we cut it out on this, is like oh, a bamboo um, awesome. color patch. And we'll, yeah. we're going to put that on a hat. So the idea is when we get to the actual farm and art market, we're going to bring our hat press. We're going to have a bunch of patches, sure. a bunch of hats, and then right there, match. you know, yeah, they can choose, they can hold it up and go, Oh, I want this one. And, and then of That's course we'll have like phenomenal. some shirts and some drinkware and some, you know, all the other stuff, but um, sure. So yeah, that's been, that's been the focus of our, well, not the only focus. We're still kind of recovering from um, father's day. We had a really, yeah. tell really us about that. Father's I saw, day. I saw you posted on, on Facebook and for those of you yeah. that aren't friends with Travis or in the group, uh, catch them up. How, what happened? So, um, actually this, but we have a, a particular coffee mug design that really kind of went really, I wouldn't say went viral, but it, it sold a whole lot of, a lot of coffee mugs sure. in both 11 ounce and 15 ounce. And, um, so yeah, we, we had actually been selling it for almost 60 days. It started selling way back in like, um, early May, late April sure. even. And so sure. when it started, I started seeing some sales in April and then I was like, you know, we should send some of these in because this is going to be, I think this is going to do well for Father's Day. So we printed a bunch yeah. of bugs, um, sent them into Amazon. Those sold like in the early part of May, really. And, um, and wow. because I knew how long it takes for those to kind of get stocked back, we didn't send any more FBA and we just kind of rode the rest of the uh, the Father's Day season out with uh, FBM sure. fulfilled by Merchant. And sure. so- but between Amazon, Walmart, and Etsy, I, I'm pretty sure we sold close to $5,000 worth of this one design on two coffee wow. mugs, 11 ounce wow. and 15 ounce. So it was, really, um, it was really a happy accident, I guess you could say. Sure. I mean, it wasn't totally an accident. I mean, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I kind of have an idea of what's going to hit and yeah. what's not going to hit. Yeah. And, and then, you know, throwing those items in FBA, I think kind of – through some flames or through some mm -hmm. gasoline on the flames to really yeah. ignite that listing and, and kind of get it out there and get and feed the algorithm what it wanted. So it would sure. put it up there in the search. And I was right. It did it all, did all those things. Um, so that was, that was really cool. It was really, yeah. so it kept us busy. Um, obviously we have some other clients too, that we're doing a little bit more volume for father's day, but all in sure. all, um, Father's Day, we're finally kind of caught up, and now we're we're trying to move on to this, um, mm. you know, get out into the highways and byways and do some of these yeah. these farm and art markets. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think there's a lot of I think we've talked about this before when it comes to holidays, hol you know, designs. One of the key things is getting those things in early enough because had you yep. just decided to get it in there the second week of July or you know what I mean, it, it wouldn't have had that same. Um, effect over the weekend because like mm -hmm. again there's the algorithm there's the ranking and you're right uh, i yep. think amazon the the fba stuff probably did throw some some gasoline on the flames or the flames on the gasoline as you were about to say if someone out there can throw yep. flames at gasoline that's phenomenal you're like a superhero i think yeah exactly <laughs> uh so yeah that's exciting man congrats on on uh the success of that design and having a great father's day weekend that's always encouraging when uh when something that you think will hit hits and then you kind of, yeah. but again, uh, just like in sports, it's kind of like next play, right? It's like, yeah, it was awesome. We got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not going to, exactly. that's not going to feed us for the next month. We got to keep rolling and <laughs> going and having small, yeah, let's celebrate the victory, but we got to go. So, uh, <clears throat> that's right. exciting, dude. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into this week's point of interest. 
Well, howdy, partner. Welcome to the point of interest part of the POD cast. So grab your hat and hold on tight because we got some learning to do. Travis, you want to uh, tell the people what the point of interest is this week. I think it's something that's interesting, something we've never talked about, um, but it Mm -hmm. is actually quite interesting, which is one third of the qualification to be a point of interest is to be interesting. (laughs) I don't know what the other two thirds are. Tell the people. I was going to (laughs) say, I have no idea what the other two thirds are, but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's just something that, um, you know, got, I, I kind of just came across this and I mean, it wasn't really coming across. It was just something that I thought our listeners probably would be interested in again. Sure. One third of the, the formula there. So, yeah, um, that's, we're going to be talking we have, we about, have, we have two thirds, we have two thirds of the formula. We have, yeah, exactly. We're talking about <laughs> how not all cotton is created equally. And, mm. um, and so for DTG, you're printing on cotton shirts, um, you know, right. mostly cotton, mostly man-made, or I'm sorry, mostly natural uh, materials. So cotton yeah. is is the you know the the go-to. Most most print-on-demand people will swear by 100% cotton, but yeah. cotton, you know, when you see that 100% cotton on the back of you know on the tag of a shirt or something, that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing sure. every time. So sure. Um, so so that we have several kind of. Uh, points on our uh, outline that are talking about the difference in cotton. So you can, as a consumer and as a producer, you can not only understand, but you can answer customer questions and you can know kind of when, um, you know, what's appropriate for what application and you can guide your customers a little better when it comes to DTG printing. So Josiah, why don't you uh, explain the difference between um, a couple of cottons that are like out there all over the place? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So you've got uh, ring spun cotton versus open end cotton. Ring spun cotton uh, is what I've worked with the most, the combed ring spun, because Mm -hmm. it's typically the softest. Um, You know, like the, you know, the, the soft style shirts, a lot of the next level Bella canvas are all, you know, that kind of cotton. And Travis mm-hmm. is correct. Not all cottons are created equal. And when I used to think 100% cotton, I used to think of the the Gildan, like, you know, 5,000s or 2,000s, the one, the yeah. ultra cotton. The open-end cotton. Yeah, the open-end cotton, which mm-hmm. is just, and I think that's the idea that a lot of people have, at least in my experience, customers will say, I don't want that 100% cotton crap because it just feels like you're wearing a piece of cardboard and then I have to educate them on, well, let's talk about these Mm -hmm. because it's going to have a softer feel and I'll send you some samples Mm -hmm. and let's talk about it. Just because it's a lot of this, a lot of what you do working with people is is education. You just kind of have to educate them about what they don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so there's the combs (laughs) ring spun and the open-ended cotton. And then the other one is Egyptian cotton versus Pima cotton. And Egyptian cotton, mm-hmm. as you can probably guess, uh, if you're listening, is grown <laughs> in Egypt by the Nile River, actually. It's very, very, very high-end cotton. Um, and most mm-hmm. of our shirts are actually Pima cotton. Uh, they're grown in Peru and in the U.S. They're a little shorter strand, but they're still comparable. So those are kind of the, the, the yeah. higher-end cottons, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to the, the scale of elite cottons. And so if you, you get your, your Egyptian cotton, your Pima cotton, you may be wondering, well – which one is the ring spun and which one is the opened end. And, and right. it really doesn't matter. The, the ring spun and the opened end is actually how that is 
you know, spun, <laughs> if you yeah. will. And so a ring, think about it, it all of the all of the strands kind of go up out of the shirt and then come back down in a ring. Whereas the open end, they don't have an end. They just kind of like you know, just kind of hang out there. And so you right. can imagine when you have this kind of ringed spun cotton thing, um, it's going to be softer. And then the next level of that is when you, those, those strands are actually combed. So all of the imperfections come out. So you have not just right. ring spun, but you have combed ring spun, which is even going to be softer. Um, and so, so then after, after you decide kind of which style of cotton you want to go with or which way that it's been weaved, you've got shirt weight. And so, um, shirts, uh, cotton shirts are going to be anywhere from like a three ounce. This is a really thin shirt yeah. to a six ounce, which is going to be a really heavy shirt. Um, again, doesn't matter that both can be ring spun, both can be open right. end. Um, but typically the DTG shirts that we do, like the soft style, like you mentioned, I think it's a 4.6 or a 4.7, but it's between kind of that 4.5 and 4.3 yeah. ounce, um, you know, very variable, uh, weight is, is what, you know, most DTG shirts are going to be. However, when you are, and this is kind of the, the important thing that you, the, uh, the seller of these shirts needs to know, it, it really depends on who you're actually selling to. So for instance, I have a, a landscaper that I, uh, sell a lot of shirts to, and he's like, I don't want a light shirt. I want a heavy, heavy shirt because we're, you know, working with right. trees and, you know, and, and so they're being really hard. And also he also, he's like, I don't care if it's ring spun or opened in, you know, it doesn't matter to me. We're not in mm -hmm. this for comfort. We want a right. heavy shirt. So we give him a six ounce, we give him a, I think it's a Gildan 5,000 and it's a, it's a heavier weight shirt that right. is an open-ended cotton. So it's, it's less expensive. So if they rip it or whatever, it's not as big of a deal not, as a, as right. a ring spun or, you know, so, um, but it, it's durable it, because it's thicker. And, yeah. um, and like I said, it's, it's a less expensive, but more durable shirt than maybe a Bella canvas, which is a combed heirloom, combed ring spun right. 4.2, you know, and it's like this perfect, <laughs> perfect, you know, super right. soft, but, um, but yeah, so, so then the next level is the thread weave and, yeah. uh, Josiah, why don't you tell them about the thread weave on these yeah, different so, shirts? So, ty so typically you'll see 18 single, 30 single and 40 single yarns of uh, the more carton, cotton, rather not carton, the, the more cotton threads per yarn, uh, <laughs> the tighter the weave. So therefore a 40 single, hundred percent combed ring spun is extremely soft versus an 18 single open end garment is again, we've talked about the Gillen 5000s. So the tighter the mm -hmm. weave the softer the, the fabric's going to feel. Um, so that's also mm -hmm. important when you're thinking about, I mean, the, you, you'll, you'll kind of, it goes in tandem with whatever shirts you probably are going to select right. based on the weight and the kind of cotton. That's just something to be aware of as well um, because you'll just kind of get that along with whatever shirt you, you, you choose basically. Um, yeah. Travis, anything else on thread weave before we go to the, the final key in this point of interest? I just think, like you said, it all kind of is, um, it all kind of goes together, blends together, you know, um, a higher end garment is going to probably yeah. have more threads per yarn. And so therefore be uh, a tighter weave, a more soft, you know, shirt. Yep. And then some of the le less expensive are going to have less thread because that's less material that they, you know, require to make the shirt. So, um, 
we just wanted you to kind of know when you see these different things, you know, what, what is ring spun? What is heirloom? What is open end? What is, you know, an 18 single? What is a 30 single? What does that mean? Well, now you kind of know, and you can kind of intelligently navigate, um, what's best for your customer. Right. Awesome. So the other thing to know as well, um, is to make sure your garment is pre-shrunk. Uh, mm-hmm. Most garments are, but because it's a natural fiber and weave together, it's very important because you need to know. <laughs> you know, if there's if it's not pre-shrunk, you need to let your customers know this or or tell them how to right. extend garment life. A lot of people that I talk to, you know, do I should I hang dry these? Well, they're pre-shrunk. No, you're fine. Or no, they're not. So you might want to. If you mm-hmm. put them into the dryer, they're going to shrink a little bit. Inevitably, a lot. Even some of the pre-shrunk shirts seem to shrink just a smidge. Not a Still, whole lot. Not not noticeable. Yep. You won't be rocking a Shakira belly shirt by any means. But yeah, I don't know if that's if that the shrinking is because of the beer or because the sh- shirt actually shrank. But uh, we'll leave that to the listener. It's a good thought. Mm-hmm. It's a good thought. I'm taking another drink of beer. No, you really, you really do need to know that because I've had a lot of customers ask me that question as well. And, and that's why a lot of people want to go with like tri blends because there's less cotton and they don't want it to shrink. And so right. again, uh, educating the customer on, on what to expect, managing expectations and not just saying flippantly, yep. Oh yeah, I know it's pre-shrunk. Yep. You need to know these things um, so that you can mitigate upset customers. The one last thing I'll say about this whole thing is, you know, obviously, cotton garments are not the only thing you can DTG on. You can DTG on a tri-blend. You can DTG on, you know, these percentage, you know, a 70, 30, 80, 20, 60, 40s. Yeah. So, um, but we're going to save that for another point of interest. We're not going to let all the cats out of the bag at the same time, because then there would be a cat fight and that would be very dangerous. Yes. Let me just say real quick before we transition from this point of interest, uh, just because I thought of when you were talking about printing on various types of garments, we print on a lot of racerback tank tops um, that are 60 40. Mm-hmm. And we recently just switched to the Firebird pre treat instead mm-hmm. of the Epson pre treat. And mm-hmm. it is killer. Just in case anyone's wondering, yeah. it's, I think it's a lot yeah. better than the Epson, like the vibrancy, how it prints on yeah. stuff that's not 100% cotton compared to the Epson. Chef's kiss. It is awesome. Yeah, we've been using that since day yeah. one here. Make your mark design. That's just, you know, because that's, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say anything else, but I think the listener yeah. kind of knows. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> send, send your tweets, hashtag make your mark or hashtag what for, and we'll figure this out one way. <laughs> no, I just need to talk about that real quick. So yeah, with that, we'll end this week's point of interest and go into this week's main event. Main event, who's calling? Travis, for this week's main event, we wanted to talk about something. Oh, that's nice. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Come on. Little OJ's action for you. Little bass guitar oh, yeah. coming on. Ooh. Bringing in that beat. Uh. Uh-huh. Money. 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 Yeah, so... <laughs> We want to talk about pricing, pricing your products appropriately, which of course mm. all comes down to yeah. money. Because what are we in this for if not mm-hmm. 
to make some money. <laughs> uh, that is, of course, the heck, end goal. Yeah. As much as I might enjoy designing T-shirts and printing them for the hell of it, I would. L- I want to make money doing it. So we're going to talk about pricing your products because I feel like this is something, Travis, before you and I pressed record, this is something that a lot of people don't really think about everything that goes yeah. into your pricing, how how much the wholesale you're selling to your clients or how mm-hmm. you're selling it on Amazon and, and, and kind of the sum total of what all of that means. So uh, we wanted to, mm-hmm. to kind of dive into this yeah. topic. And the first thing that I want to say, and I'm sure everyone listening knows this, and if you've ever sold on Amazon, you know this, the race to the bottom sucks. Stop it. It sucks. Stop it. So stop it. What, what is the race to the bottom? <laughs> if you're new to this stop podcast it. and you're like – I thought this was DTG, not 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 track and field. We're not talking about an actual race, um, but <laughs> it's basically just kind of like dropping the price to try and get the buy box on Amazon or get the mm-hmm. sale or what. It's just it, it's right. it's awful, and no one wins in that scenario inevitably, except for the customer who's buying the product right. for pennies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but generally, it's just a shitty thing, a shitty paradigm to go about, you know, as far as pricing goes. Yeah. When we used to sell, uh, arbitrage stuff and private label and, you know, basically, well, mainly arbitrage stuff, um, there would be like 30 people on the same listing and inevitably one would have what's called uh, for on Amazon, for instance, but inevitably one would have, or more than one would have a repricer (laughs) and what a repricer is, is exactly what it sounds like. It automatically goes in and changes your price to be like a penny under the buy box. So it'll get the buy box. And if, if you don't know what the buy box is on Amazon, it's the little buy it now button. When you click that button, only one person is making that sale. So if there are 30 people on that particular listing selling the same exact Nike, you know, pair of Nike shoes, only one seller is going to get that sale. And so when they push that button, that's, that's the buy box. And so you're trying to get that buy box. And so people will use these repricers and it literally becomes a race to the bottom because it's not, it's not actual humans repricing. A lot of times it's literally, you know, machines just going in and going, Oh, I need to go as a one penny under. And then somebody else, one penny, one penny, one penny, one penny. And pretty soon nobody makes any money and nope. it's it's a stupid game so like josiah said stop it stop it stop it yes no longer so pricing is not a one-time thing Correct. it's something that you know you may need to adjust as you move forward in fact you absolutely will need to adjust um, and we'll get to kind of testing pricing yeah. at the end but um something that you need to to keep in mind that you're going to need to probably adjust your prices. As a matter of fact, Josiah, you guys just had to adjust a price on one of your most old (laughs) items that you guys produce there at, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we do a lot of, of course, you guys know that you've been listening. We do a lot of home decor and one of the things we do is, is wooden signs. And so, uh, because of the increase in the cost of lumber, we've had to reassess and, and increase the cost of our signs, $1.50 to $2, just because they're so expensive to manufacture right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of the times, you know, I don't no one, I don't, I don't think anyone likes to necessarily fluctuate prices all the time but sometimes it is necessary for vendor increases or or competition you're even even repricing lower yeah. right if the competition drops and you want to be competitive but uh, it is something that you have to do and it is a necessity um to do that to cover 
to cover those yeah. kinds of scenarios. Another thing that is important to keep in mind is is to price what you're worth. And I, I think this is for for us is huge. Price what you're worth, not necessarily what other people charge, mm-hmm. right? Because you'll you'll come to find out, yeah. and as as we have that, you know, when you compare yourselves to the printfuls and like kind of the big boys, you know, uh, in in the field or even other mm-hmm. DTG providers, the value that that we provide to our customers above and beyond just the physical product, the 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 shipping, the the packing, the drop shipping, the customer service, mm-hmm. the website maintenance, the I mean, the customer service, all of that. Is, is something to keep in mind and know you're the worth of the service you're providing, not just the mm. cost of the shirt that sure they could go get a screen printer to run off a bunch of shirts for you at a cheaper price, but they won't get a screen printer to drop ship those products, to do customer service, to store them for, for on their behalf until orders come through. So there's lots of stuff to think through as far as what are you offering in total that can justify maybe charging a little more than the guy down the street, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think this, this is incredibly important to our, to our community of, of, you know, sellers. So you may be just a, you know, an Etsy or Amazon seller or, you know, whatever, and you are providing pretty much the same exact service that every other person is providing on that platform. Um, and then on the, on the other side, you may be, you know, someone like Travis, or someone like Josiah or myself, where we actually are working with not only those people, but also the end consumers and we may provide more value. And so, you know, I've had people call, call me and say, well, you've, you've even said this on the podcast, just how people will say, you know, it's worth it to have a phone number, you know, to be able to call. And so that's an added value. And we need to be able to, that needs to be reflected in our pricing. Um, Not only our pricing to the end consumer, you know, for our our own print on demand products, but pricing for our customers. You know, if you're working with your local church, um, you know, you might not be able to charge what for, you know, uh, what is it for imprints or Vista print or one of those, you know, big, big conglomerates on the, on the web, but they can call you and, you know, they can actually have a conversation with you. You can tell them the differences in all the different cottons and they can't, they don't just read it on the website. And and you actually can understand now that, you know, Hey, this is a, this is a ring spun cotton and it's 4.5, you know, ounces, uh, 40, uh, you know, a 40 single and it's a really nice, it's going to yeah. feel really soft. They won't right. understand that. So you can educate them. And so your, your price needs to reflect yeah, all absolutely. those things. The, the degree that you're able to educate your uh, customer is important. So let's get into pricing strategies. And there are a ton of different sure. pricing strategies. I mean, we, we could have multiple podcasts on the way people choose to do pricing strategies. So the first um, one that I wanted to talk about, and Josiah, jump in here anytime, but I wanted to talk about a loss leader and what a loss leader is. And so um, a loss leader is going to be when you have a product that, uh, and it may not work on like an Amazon or an Etsy because each one of those is an individual listing. But a lot of times you'll see, like you'll get you'll be at home and you'll get that Sunday mailer and it'll have all of these products, you know, uh, from the local Walmart or local store right. or whatever. And there'll be products in there. This, this specifically happens a lot on like good, uh, yep. black Friday and you know, all of those, 
holiday yep. sales and stuff. They'll literally discount something to where they're t- they're taking a loss on that product just to get you in the store. Right. This will happen in gas stations <laughs> where they'll literally charge what they like they don't make any money on gasoline believe it or not right. these gas stations won't make any money on gasoline but when you get out of your car and you see that you know oh you can get a, a king size snickers and a monster drink sure. for three bucks yeah. oh i'm gonna do that and they go in and they make you know two dollars and fifty cents on that three dollar transaction that's the those the gasoline in that scenario is the loss leader or the the big screen TV is the loss yeah. leader, and then they get you in the store and you fill up your cart with other crap because they only <laughs> exactly, had two yeah, of those big exactly. screen TVs yeah, in the first yeah, place. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I was going to say a lot, a lot of that is you you they they get you in for the loss leader, but because they know the nature of of us as humans, the impulse buys and the the strolling down the aisle, or you know you you'll, you'll end up buying more stuff uh, to offset a lot of times that that. Um, that one product that's, that's their loss leader. Um, Travis, do you think there's any, any detriment to that pricing strategy? I, I don't know. Um, cause I know sometimes you say the way you get your customer is the way you keep your customer, right? So if you're selling things at a loss mm-hmm. and that might be more for maybe the scenario where you're working and fulfilling for someone and it's more of like a B2B scenario, maybe than B2C, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know, but I mean, what, what what are your thoughts on that? Because that's what mm-hmm. when I think loss leader. I think that is a good strategy. But can you condition people just to wait to come to buy just the loss leader, and then not and, and not the rest of the products? Yeah, I'm sure that that's you know a consideration. So I'll say a couple things. One, I'll say it obviously works because they <laughs> do the it, yeah. and they you know they still they make a lot of money. Yeah. And every circular you see that comes to your house or whatever there's probably a loss leader in there or, and it may not be a total loss. It may just be like a very small, a loss leader or a loss could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different businesses. The other thing I'll say is that in the print on demand business, we kind of do this in a way Um, you mentioned earlier about sending samples. You know, that is, that is kind of like a loss leader. It's not, it's not totally, you know, apples to apples, but you are, you are printing a shirt, you're taking your time, yeah. your materials, you know, your ink, all that stuff. And then you're going to put it in a package and you're going to send it to them as a sample um, in order. And that's a loss to you in order to gain their business. Um, you know, and then the other thing is, is like, um, I, again, it's not, it's not, it's more of a pricing strategy, not necessarily a loss leader, but like for your bigger clients, you may have what, you know, like a tiered pricing structure. So if you sell, you know, if you sell more than $5,000 worth of goods in a, in a, in a month, you come down to this. I think Printful has that now. They give you discounts based on how much you sell on their platform. Um, you know, that's really more of a different kind of pricing strategy, but you get the idea. People are willing to take losses with, for the hope of selling a whole lot more merchandise. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. The the client that we've I've talked a lot about that's sold a lot of stuff uh, with us and is is increasing their volume. Every new design that that drops, we send him what we are now calling a design. The entire design family, which is shirts, tank tops, coffee mugs, mm-hmm. hats, everything, so that he can promote. And we're willing to eat mm-hmm. that because we know if his followers see him and his wife and his kids wearing those products, we are going to m- more mm-hmm. than make up for 
eating that loss of those two mugs or, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's definitely uh, a strategy that, that works. And, and a lot of people find it to be, if you, if you're willing to eat that loss and say, yeah, we'll send you a couple samples for free. I have found that a lot of people are, are shocked by that. Like, Oh really? You can just, you'll just like, I don't have to pay for the first couple. Like, no, I'm gonna just go ahead. You know what I mean? So it's, it's also one of those, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the same, like I have yeah. a phone number to call. You'll just give me some samples. Like it's a very, <laughs> um, it's, it's a kind of a deal closer sometimes too, because they're always wanting something to help attract business to their page as well. So yeah, all that to say, I agree, Travis, yeah. and I, I have, I've uh, validated what you've yeah. said. So, um, so uh, talk about, talk about um, <laughs> the other one, FBA versus FBM for Amazon sellers. Talk about those pricing strategies. Yeah. So if you're selling on Amazon, um, one of the things that you can do is you could create a separate listing on a, a separate offer rather on your offer page on your right. listing. So let's say you have uh, an 11 ounce coffee mug that you're selling and it's doing really well. Um, you know, you, you are fulfilling it yourself through, you know, uh, make your mark design or what for apparel or wherever sure. printify printful. And, um, it starts doing well at some point you can say, well, I'd like to send this into FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon. And so you, contact your you know preferred vendor and get your stickers and get it all ready and what you can actually do is create a second listing so when those products go live when they finally get shipped into Amazon and they're sitting on their shelves you can have two listings for that same product you can have the FBM one and the FBA right. one and you can choose your pricing strategy based on those. So what I've done when I do that I typically price the FBA product a little less than the FBM because I want those products to sell first. So I don't get charged for the long-term storage. If they, you know, if they're sitting there for a long time, eventually that starts eating into my profit because uh, in other words, if I priced my, my, the ones we fulfill, the FBM fulfilled by merchant first or lower, those might sell first. And then I'm sitting on these things that I'm storing in Amazon. Plus that's cash that I've already made. Remember print on demand, the product doesn't exist until Correct. you make a sale, but that's only for yeah. FBM. FBA, that product does exist. It's physically sitting on Amazon shelf. So I want to get rid of that, get the cash sure. back in my hand. So then I can turn it again, create more FBA products, send more in. But that's one strategy that you can do, pricing your FBA a little lower than your FBM and having multiple listings. We also did that for SFP, mm-hmm. which is seller fulfilled prime. We had another listing for that. Um, so there's a lot of different things you could have. I think at one point we had up to four listings on some of our wow. products um, that were, I mean, it was all good for, for Amazon. It was just, they were just dip, priced differently. There were different modes of uh, delivery and, um, and it, you know, it all worked out, but that's that's one example of a different pricing strategy specifically for Amazon. Sure. And I'm sure there's, like we said before, there's a yep. million of these. Um, but let's talk about how to come with, up right. with just a, like a basic price. You know, like, well, how am I going to price this coffee mug or this T-shirt or this, you know, wooden sign or whatever it is I'm selling? Right. Um, let's come up with that. With the formula, Josiah. Right. What, yeah, what so, can we do to come up with that? So, with that pricing, there's a little formula: variable costs plus fixed costs plus profit margin. So, variable costs can consist of a lot of things. Um, Cogs, which is cost of goods sold, um, is something to take into consideration. Packaging, 
the labor, the time it takes to make that thing. Um, and it could differ. Uh, like I was telling Travis before we press record, we have a shirt that's selling a lot. That's a front, a back and a sleeve and the labor and time that goes into that shirt is a lot more than one that just goes into a single front print, right? Because you're basically repeating a process three right. times. Um, shipping, which can, of course, uh, vary depending mm-hmm. on is it a priority, is it for so shipping. Uh, and advertising, <clears throat> depending on how much you want to push towards mm-hmm. um, a, a particular product that's on Amazon, your Etsy store, your own private site. So those are the variable costs yeah. to consider. Uh, go ahead, Travis. Well, I was just going to say those are – so. The idea behind a variable cost is that obviously that it, sure. it can vary. Um, so it depends on which product you're actually, um, you know, going to produce. So like to, to your point, the labor or the time spent on that product is different based on if it has more prints, it has, maybe it takes a little bit sure. longer in the printer because it's, you know, maybe there's one that's just one line of text you can maybe charge less for that because it takes a little less right, time right. for yourself or your operator. Um, same same thing. So all of these all of these are variable costs. Cost the cost of goods sold is basically just the actual item. So if I'm selling a coffee mug, you know maybe that coffee mug costs me a dollar fifteen or a dollar sure, fifty or a dollar seventy five depending on where I got it. Um, but that's the raw goods. Um, but then beyond just the raw goods, you inside of cost of goods sold, you also have ink. You know how much yep. ink it, it, on a sublimation mug you're going to have the transfer paper. Yep. So how much did that? You know, was that a five cent, ten cent, whatever it was? And so you're adding all of these little things up, and you may say, well, how can I? How do I know how to figure out the time sure. thing? Well, just do some basic math. Figure out how many how many coffee mugs can you make in an hour. You know, in your given environment, right, you know, do you have one press or do you have 20 presses or do you have a conveyor oven? Obviously, your labor cost is going to be variable based on your equipment. But then you figure out how many you can do in an hour and divide by 60. And that's your per minute cost. And then if it takes four minutes to make a mug or five minutes or whatever, then that's how much you add to your this variable cost formula. And then you move on to that. To the next one, yeah. fixed costs. So fixed costs, the, the, the whole idea behind fixed costs is whether you sell 10, whether you sell 10,000, the number doesn't change, right? It's, it's going to be the same. A lot of that is right. like overhead, rent, um, elect- for the space mm-hmm. that you're in, electricity, utilities, that kind of stuff doesn't change. It's going to be constant uh, regardless of how much or what your volume is. Mm-hmm. Um, platform listing fees, like the $40 a month on Amazon to have a pro account or the $0.20 cent Etsy listing fee, um, those are going to be the same mm-hmm. uh, regardless. Platform commissions could be variable, of course, depending on the, the price. I mean, it, that that can be can be a variable as well. But mm-hmm. then subscription fees like yeah. ShipStation and, and Photoshop and stuff like that. So so those are some of the fixed costs, Travis. I mean, what what are some things to, to keep in mind? I mean, can some of these be variable aside from platform commission or is it are they all pretty just kind sure. of set in stone? Yeah, I mean, like electricity, for example, can be variable. You know, it, if you do 10 coffee mugs versus 10,000, obviously your electric, electric bill sure. is going to yeah, be exactly. higher <laughs> for the 10,000. But but the bottom line is that you're still going to have to pay mm-hmm. your electric bill whether or not you do mm-hmm. ten or ten thousand. So um, there's a general idea of fixed cost. I would also say like um, you know when you're talking about subscription fees and um, all of these all of these fixed costs, you're you're 
you're going to be doing math. And so this is a good exercise for you to do just in business. Look at all of the subscriptions you have. Do you subscribe to sure. Merchant Former? Do you subscribe to Merchant Words or, you know, the keyword programs? Do you subscribe? Do you have a Canva right. account, you know, that you do some design in or Photoshop or whatever it is? How much? And then get that down to a monthly yep. fee or a monthly cost. So that's, and then you add your, fi- you know, your, uh, basically you're getting all of your fixed cost into how much do I spend right. on this in a month? And then you're going to divide that by how many products can I put out right. in a regular month? And that is your number for this particular part of the formula. That's your fixed cost that you're going to need to, to, sure. to add to actually recoup what you're actually doing here and make it actually a business and, and right. make money. So after we've done fixed cost, um, we're going to add in a profit yes. margin. And uh, that's, you, you've got yeah. a story about that. You were just recently on a trip. And uh, tell them about that. Yeah. So if you listen to last week's episode, you know that I was recording the intro and the outro from uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, where my niece and her husband lived and uh, or live mm-hmm. currently. And so we went to Bentonville, uh, the Bentonville Square, which is where the first Walmart ever was established by Sam Walton, and it's still the 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 front of the store still looks the same. Kind the the store facade, it still looks exactly the same, but it's a museum that's dedicated to Sam Walton and the Walmart story. So you know, we went in there, checked it out, and I, I this particular little plaque or caught my attention because it talked about Sam's profit margin rule, his rule of thumb, and the rule of thumb for him was. Mark everything, regardless of what it is, how expensive it was, everything, 30%. That was his rule, Uh, which I thought was kind Mm. of fascinating, actually, because you would think most people think Keystone, which Keystone is taking the wholesale cost and doubling it, right? So you can make your money back. But he Mm -hmm. wanted to do 30% specifically as it kind of detailed on the little plaque thing is that he wanted to undercut his competition. So that's why he just said, Make everything 30%. <laughs> and then right down the aisle there as you're kind of walking, there's another picture of him doing this little dance when his uh, when his company uh, finally went in the black by $0.08. Cents. He was $0.08 cents profitable. Uh, after I don't remember how many years it was that it said, but it was a handful. And uh, all of all of my dogs are, are barking their heads off. Um, so They're excited. They're dancing with Sam right are. now. Yeah, they are so excited that Walmart is profitable. Where else are we going to get their dog food? So, um, so yeah, they were very excited. Uh, he was he was just excited about eight eight cent profitability, which is crazy um, to think. Because of course, Walmart now is this yeah. big juggernaut, right? So, um, so yeah, I think I think that was just a fascinating story. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the percentage really doesn't necessarily matter. It's what sure. you're comfortable with. I mean, it could be twenty percent, it could be thirty exactly. percent, it could be you know, 50%, 100%, it doesn't matter. But this is, this is really where market research yeah. is going to yeah. really serve you. It's going to be really important. You really need to see, you know, can I get away with selling a $40 coffee mug? Well, let's go to right. Amazon and see. <laughs> My guess is no. If you are a $40 mug, DM us now and tell us how for that information. Yes, please. <laughs> Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily, you know, go to Amazon or Etsy or whatever and look at what people are selling them for and then 
go go immediately to like the lowest price and go okay well my variable cost and my uh, uh my fixed cost uh were you know ten dollars and but these guys are selling mugs for eleven dollars so i have to do a ten yeah. percent yeah profit margin you know you don't sure. have to do that you can still have a much healthier profit margin you could do at that point you could do a hundred percent profit margin and sell your yeah. stuff for twenty yeah. bucks you know um it it it's because you really just you don't have to match all that stuff you just want to be kind of in right. that same vicinity and you'll see if you go on Amazon or Etsy you'll see everything from the the ten dollar and ninety nine cent coffee mug all the way up to the twenty five dollar yeah. coffee mug and so you know for the eleven ounce coffee mug you could be anywhere in that same thing with t shirts same thing with all of yeah. these different products you just want to kind of yep. be in that vicinity and then just decide on a percentage you. I also would say you don't have to um, do one blanket. You don't have to pull a Sam Walton and do 30% for everything. You can pick and choose. So some of your stuff might have a yep. better profit margin, and that's totally fine. It's it's really – you just want to make sure that there is a profit margin. <laughs> In other words, you have to take the time to do these yeah. to to do these exercises and really dig into your yeah. business so you know that yeah. you're profitable and you're not selling something and you're like, oh well, I'm gonna make the money up in shipping, but then you pay that shipping <laughs> and you're left with nothing. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You're, that's called charity. That's not a business. <laughs> you can enjoy doing it, but wouldn't you like to make some money too? Like uh so there's it reminds me of a story <laughs> where we you know, we've negotiated with some clients in the past where where if they're doing a high enough volume, they want to talk about kind of a tiered pricing approach, which we talked about, you know, kind of Spring is doing now and, you know, all these other bigger platforms will do some tiered pricing. So, yeah, we're like, okay, well, we're willing to take a little bit less of a profit on, let's say, T-shirts, but our only the only caveat is you have to list everything you own on coffee mugs and wooden signs because our profit margins are higher there. So we tell them if you list every, if you make all of it mm. available on coffee mugs, we'll take that lesser percentage because we'll make it up in the, in the volume of the coffee mugs that will sell to your, to your followers on the, on other, the other stuff. stuff. So it is a, that's why it's good to maybe have a higher profit yeah. margin on some stuff or have that in your back pocket for if someone's kind of trying to kind of wheel and deal, Hey, we're selling this much volume, whatever, or whatever the case might be. Mm. Um, that, that's, that's a good thing to, to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And in general, like, like Travis said, you don't have to just blanket right so it doesn't all have to be 30 percent. so right another thing not to be afraid of is price testing um travis your father's day mug is mm. a great example right one of the things i did with the father's day mug um you know i talked a little bit about it with the fba versus fbm sure. thing um but once i sold through all of the fba products which i did price lower than my fbm once i sold through and i only had one offer on that listing um I actually at one point lowered the price of that Father's Day mug because I wanted to increase the the volume of sales. Um, right. And I mean, I don't have specific data on what I would have sold had I kept the initial price. But basically what yeah. I, you know, because I didn't have two listings that, you know, I only had the one. But my, my right. thought process behind it was let's drop this down to the price as if it were the FBA price. And so I right. sold it for less than I were selling all my other products for that were FBM. Um, but because I sold so much and, and 
you know, to your point, my profit margin um, on coffee mugs is so stellar. Sure. Um, you know, dropping it 20, 30% is not going to, you know, I'm it's still gonna, making yeah, a hefty it's profit. Break the bank. And right. it really is. Yeah, it's not going to break the bank. And it also fuels more and more sales, which yeah. obviously, if I have, you know, which would you rather do? Would you rather sell, you know, 20 coffee mugs at $20 a piece? Or right. would you rather sell 200 coffee mugs at $15 a piece? Well, I think we're all in the same boat. We would rather sell the 200 right. um, just because that volume makes up for the yeah. lower, the lower yeah. profit margin. So don't be afraid to test these things. Um, I remember when I first started um, doing print on demand, uh, I think I sold all my prof, all my coffee mugs at around thirteen ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. Slowly increased those prices over the course, and sure. these were eleven ounce coffee mugs. Slowly have increased those prices, and now most of my coffee mugs FBM are sold at nineteen ninety nine. Yep, yep. Um, and that's kind of the price that I've landed on for fifteen. I sell them at twenty four ninety nine. Right. Um, now sometimes I do. You know, use I, I change those prices a little bit, uh, testing them again. Father's Day mug example, um, but those are kind of what I've landed on, and my and what it allows me to do is it pays for all the mm-hmm. advertising that I do because I spend, you know, a couple grand uh, sure. on advertising on just on Amazon uh, for these products. But I don't worry about it because I sell so many of these, you know, high margin sure. products. Sure. So. I, I just saw you. You're, you're, you raised your hand on the uh, thing. <laughs> I had to hit the, I had to hit the mute. And I cough my, the, you know, the cough button essentially, and I hit the raise my hand button, which is weird. Another thing to keep in mind too, when we're talking about testing pricing, seasonality pricing is is huge because in Q4, yeah. uh, you can you can raise those prices up, and Travis and I both have done that and both had success doing it yep. because. When it comes to stuff like Christmas, when people need a gift, they don't really pay attention to the price tag. They just need to get that shirt for that person or, you know, whatever that looks like. So Q4 seasonality, right. Q4 especially, um, you can raise those prices quite a bit. Travis, what do you raise, you know, from from that $20 mark, say for an 11? Do you – what, what's <laughs> what's your – what's where do you feel comfortable raising that price to for Q4? <laughs> Yeah. So, so here's the thing I was at last mm, year ago, or I don't know, at one point I was 1799 and 2299, I think is what I was. I raised it during Q4 to 1999 and 2499. And, you know, just between you and me, yeah, there's no and, one else here. You know, the other five or 600 people that'll hear this <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I now I raised them to 1999 and 2499 and I've never never put them back cuz they just kept selling and I was like, well, why would I lower these? They're still doing really well. Yeah. Let let that money now, ride. It's like yeah. playing like to playing be, to be gouge, fair, I mean, I could I mean, I could test doing some lower prices and, and especially during the summer months when things are slower, could lower the price um just to see if it would, you know, boost some sales and may still yeah. do that, but overall you know, four kind of helped me realize what people will pay. I have sold 15 ounce coffee mugs for over $30. I sold 11 ounce coffee mugs for twenty nine ninety nine. I think when we were doing two day SFP, um, you know, twenty nine ninety nine for an 11 ounce coffee mug that literally costs under $2 for the yeah. mug and the design and the print. And, you yeah. know, 
I mean, there's all, a little, yeah, obviously a little labor in that and, you know, the overhead sure. and all of these other costs sure. that we talked about earlier, but <laughs> $30, people pay it too, because they That's, just, they wow. need that gift. And the other thing that it, it, so I'm kind of, you know, I've always, uh, I don't know, probably t- 10, 15 years ago, my wife and I did the whole Dave Ramsey thing. And and so we don't sure. have credit cards in our, in our personal life. We we're all debit cards. So whenever we we're buying gifts, we have to have the money in the bank. And right. I realized at one point how rare that is in our society yeah. to, as a person, you know, like a person or a unit, a family unit to not use credit cards. So $29.99 with a credit card is much different than $29.99 with a debit card. Sure. And I would wager that most of the accounts on amazon.com are credit cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give it, you know, a statement of what, you know, if this is good or bad or whatever, right. but it, it kind of clicked in my mind that a lot of people don't they don't care as much as I, I do right. about how much I'm spending on these things because it's a credit card and they can pay it later. And so it, it gave me a little more, uh, it put me at ease, you know, when it comes to like how I'm pricing these things, because, um, I think people are worried about it less than I would be. And it, it just, yeah. you know, when that light bulb moment happened in my head, it really transformed how I see pricing, um, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. at the end of all of this, you know, uh, podcast, I think, you know, I just want to reiterate the race to the bottom sucks. <laughs> so stop it, you know, and then price what you're worth guys price, yeah. what you're worth actually go through this stuff and maybe you already have, and that's great. But if you haven't go through the, the, you know, your fixed costs, go through your variable costs yeah. and then add some type of profit there because those other two things aren't going away. And you have, if you sell for what your variable and your fixed costs are, you are not making right. any money. It may, you may sell it for $10 and your, you know, the mug only costs you two or whatever. But if those other costs creep in there, you're, you're not yeah. making any money. Yep. <laughs> so stop it. The race to the bottom sucks. Price what you're worth. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. I am wholeheartedly behind that. We need a sound bite. <laughs> that's just uh, an amen. Amen. Uh, no, that's awesome. And I, I completely agree. So hopefully if you guys are listening, um, this has been beneficial to you to kind of unpack pricing, um, especially if you are, are worried about, well, this guy's selling it for nine dollars i need to sell it for nine dollars and hopefully it'll give you kind of the confidence to again price what you're worth um which is which is super super important so um i think that concludes this week's main event uh, of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening i know i say that each and every week and yes it is in our show notes but i do genuinely mean it every single time (laughs) that i say thank you for listening it is crazy to log into the back-end analytics Mm -hmm. of this podcast and see as many people listen to each episode as they do um it's 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 always always awesome to see so thank you so much for listening and i bet if you're listening you can guess what i'm about to tell you to do next Join the group <laughs> on Facebook, printondemandcast.com slash Facebook. It's a broken record, uh, but we want to see that community grow because we're having a lot of fun. I posted a couple times in there today of my clean head nozzle test, which was awesome. The white inks were full and intact, mm-hmm. and that's, that's when I knew it was going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. 
I also I I posted something about uh, the Father's Day mugs and kind of showed some of my analytics yeah. for the Father's Day that I talked about on this podcast. So if you want to see yeah, that, facebook.com slash Facebook, you got to get in the, the group. That's the only place to see it. I posted a picture uh, towards the end of the day of a car full of orders going to the par- post office, uh, bags and bags and bags and bags going to the post office. <laughs> so if you want to see stuff like that, uh, the back-end analytics, kind of some day-to-day stuff that Travis and I uh, do, uh, please join. And we'd love to see that same kind of stuff from you and grow that community um so as always mm-hmm. rate on subscribe rate and subscribe on itunes as far as we know right, itunes is the only place to actually do that so uh, but it helps our algorithm across the board if you guys do leave a nice five-star review and uh you know for the tell us your favorite dad joke or your favorite bit on the show that we do or if you like uncle mike and you want to see him back uh you can let us know uh, through a iTunes review, uh, and we'd be glad to uh, see that and then shout it out on the show <laughs> as well. So, Travis, anything else before we wrap this thing up and put a bow on it? The race to the bottom sucks. Yes. Stop it. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. good. Okay, that's it. We're good? Okay. <laughs> All right, well then, uh, for Travis, I'm Josiah. The race to the bottom sucks, and we'll see you next week right here on the Print On Demand cast. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week. I was on time. My God. Nice. It worked. Welcome to the Print on Demand cast with... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Hey.